All right, how are we doing? Are we doing good? Oh, about four of you. I said, are we doing good? <laughs> That's, that, that is better. Hey, I'm just going to welcome those who are, who are visiting uh, or joining us online. So if you are joining online, we just want to say a huge welcome to you. And we're so glad that you're tuning in, watching the video or listening to the podcast. We want to welcome you. We want to show you some appreciation for joining us online. So church, can we put our hands together for anyone that is watching online uh, via the podcast or the video podcast? Fantastic. Hey, well, if you don't know me, that's cool. Um, my name is Aaron. My full name, I'm going to be real and honest. My full name is Aaron Wing Young. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a crazy name, Aaron Wing Young. I'm married uh, to the beautiful Miranda who was just sitting down here in the front. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I get excited too. And um, we, we've been married for eight years and we feel like we're experts at it. In marriage, that is, nothing else. And uh, we feel like we're experts married for eight years. And I'm also a youth pastor here. Pastor Cole mentioned that he's one of three. I'm one of three also. And obviously the other one being uh, Pastor, pastor Grace, who's looking after the little uh, kids over in uh, Kids Church. Uh, but I just want to say you would have, you would have seen the, the Storm Camp video. Uh, I just want to do a bit of a plug for that. And what I want to say is um, we, we're trying to do our best to try and get young people to camp. And we appreciate all the support that you give us as a church, whether it be financially, whether it be even prayerfully. And we're just going to ask that uh, you would still consider that uh, as we get young people to camp, because we know that young people's lives are changed at camp. Okay, it's, it's not just another event. It's not just another event for young people to go and experience. It's actually a, a moment, an environment where young people can encounter God. So we still ask that you would still continue to support us. If you feel the need to financially support someone, please feel free to do so. We're not going to turn any financial support down. Uh, and also, please keep us in your prayers. We would love to see young people get to camp. Amen. A, uh, a to the men. Hey, uh, Connect 180, I just want to say uh, something very, very quickly. Uh, at Connect Church, people are our priority. Yeah, let's try that again. People are our priority. Do you know we weren't meant to do life alone? Yeah, one person. We weren't, we weren't meant to do life alone. Do you know when God created uh, humanity, in the early accounts of when he created hum- humanity, he didn't say after he created Adam, it is good for man to be alone. Some of you think that, but he didn't actually say that. He said it is not good. It is not good for man to be alone. Therefore, we were created to do life with one another. You know, last week I introduced Connect 180, and I said this. I said, hey, I just encourage you to step out of your comfort zone. And I sat down after saying that, or saying the, the stepping out of your comfort zone thing, and I thought, what actually is a comfort zone? You see, a comfort zone is really just an invisible barrier that we create that has visible effects on how we live our life. It's an invisible barrier that we create. And so when we stand up here, when we say step out of your comfort zone, what we're really meaning is step away from your comfort zone. Step away from that invisible barrier that you've put around your life because it's having visible effects. Step away from it and go and meet someone. I just want to say if you're single here, Connect 180 is the perfect opportunity. Make sure you brush your teeth and take your mints, okay? Amen. Hey, I want to start by saying every church has a culture. Anybody agree with that? Every church has a culture. And by culture, I don't mean uh, ethnicity. I don't mean socioeconomic uh, mix. I don't mean race or color. I simply mean the values and beliefs that underpin all that we do here at church. And culture is something we're immersed in. Okay, it's part of the environment. Someone said this, 
Asking someone like uh, asking someone about culture is like asking a fish what it thinks of the water it swims in. Have you ever done that? No, yeah, neither, neither. I don't think I don't think I would. But if you think about it, the water that surrounds a fish is part of its environment. It's immersed in the water, and the same can be said about culture. It's part of the environment, and and, and culture happens by default. If we don't choose to do anything about it, culture is going to happen regardless. Okay, if we, we, we can let culture surface by itself, or we can go, no, no, let's do something about it. Let's begin to define our culture. Let's begin to create our culture. And so if culture can happen by default without us doing anything, it's fair to say that culture is an important part of any church I want to say that culture runs deep. What do I mean by that? Well, culture doesn't sit at the leadership level. Culture doesn't sit at the pastoral level. It doesn't sit at the people who serve. It sits in every single layer, in every single person who considers themselves a part of the church. It runs deep. Let me give you an example, a little story from youth. Do you know when I agreed to be youth pastor, I didn't realize I was inadvertently signing up to be a taxi driver. (laughs) Like if I look at the job description, I'm still looking for somewhere that says you're going to be a taxi driver. You know what? I don't mind though, sometimes. Um, (laughs) I'm kidding. I don't mind because some of the memorable moments have happened not within the four walls of this church, but within the four doors of my car, aka the taxi. That's where some of the memorable moments have, have happened in about three weeks ago, uh, I was driving some young fellas away from, uh, we, we had just been at McDonald's, and that's what we do, we fill them up on McFlurries, frozen Cokes, fizzy, then we send them home to run right in your house. We're driving away from McDonald's, and there were three boys in the back seat, and boy number one says this, he says, man, I've been trying to get my mum to church for ages now. I keep asking her, and every week I'm like, Mom, come to church. And I say, Mom, God can get rid of all your problems. That's what he said. He's real. He's like, God can get rid of all your problems, Mom. Would you just come to church? And he said he's been trying for the last year or so. Boy number two says this. He says, we just got to pray. We just got to pray for your mom. At that moment in my taxi, I began to tune into the conversation. Can I say sometimes we need to tune into the conversations that are happening in our young people. Oftentimes we go, man, young people are doing this, they're doing that, let's give them a bad rap. But I'll tell you what, conversations like this are happening right before our eyes and sometimes we just need to tune in, we need to listen, and we need to appreciate some of the things that they're thinking. Boy number two, uh, yeah, so boy number two, see, we're going to pray for your uh, uh, mum. Boy number three said this. He said this, when your mum comes to church. He said, when your mum comes to church, not if. Maybe you're here today, you've been praying for that person for some time. Maybe you've been praying for weeks, months, years, even decades. Grab the faith like this young boy and declare when that person comes to church, when my mum comes to church, when that person I've been praying for comes to church. You know, when I became a Christian 24 years ago, not 24 years, oh my I was age 24, and, uh, and I know my nan, how old would that make me? I'd be like six. No, no, no. Um, I, I called my nan, right, 24 years old. I'm like, hey, nan. And she said, yo, what up? And I said, I'm a Christian now. <laughs> and, and nan said, praise the Lord. 
That's Nan's default response for everything. Nan, I got a new job. Praise the Lord. Nan, I got a promotion. Praise the Lord. Nan, I got fired. Praise the Lord. That, that's her default response. I said, Nan, why, why praise the Lord? I, I'm a Christian. You can stop now. She said, man, I've been praying for 24 years for you to become a Christian. Me, on the other hand, I'm on the phone. I'm like, that is too long. <laughs> and uh, boy number three, back to my story. Uh, he said, um, when your mum comes to church. He said, when your mum comes to church, we need to tell Claudette. Yeah, I was like. What? What's that got to do with it? And uh, if you don't know Claudette, I'll give you, I, if you don't know Claudette, she's hilarious. And she's really, really friendly. And this boy said, we need to tell Claudette. Here's why we need to tell Claudette. Because if we tell Claudette that she needs to be friendly to your mum, when they meet, they'll be friendly. Claudette will make her laugh. And if she laughs, she'll stay at church. She'll have a, a higher probability of staying at church if Claudette is friendly to her. Notice at the heart of the solution was what? Be friendly. It was at the heart of the solution, be friendly. Do you understand that the content of the message or the style of the worship had nothing to do with the solution? Because the boys could have said, man, let's hope Pastor Adam is normal on Sunday when your mum comes. Let's hope the worship is okay. You're laughing, but I know you've done that. My wife did that. <laughs> oh my. She invited me to church, okay? And, um, and she said, first time in, in a church, she said, come along, uh, experience it. And I was like, I agreed. Walked into an auditorium. And do you know who was leading worship? This African tribe. And you're like, what? What's that got to do with that? I walked in, seriously, like 70% of the people were on the ground. And as I walked in, people were in the motion of falling down. I asked Miranda last night, I was like, what was going through your mind? She was like, oh, here we go again. As I walked into that service, notice with the solution with the boys, the content, the style of the worship had nothing to do with it. It was simple. It was be friendly. It was connect her with someone that is friendly. Why do I tell you this? Because friendly is a part of our culture. It permeates itself right throughout this church. It doesn't sit at the leadership level. It doesn't sit at the partial level. It goes right through every single one of us, even as young as 12 and 13. Amen. Why am I telling you about culture? Well, we believe culture is important to us. We value culture, and ultimately it points back to our vision, which is to connect people to Jesus and their purpose. Do you know with a vision, we don't frame it. and We don't hang it upstairs just for the staff to see. We don't hang it up there, and we don't say, we don't hang it up. We don't step back, and we don't go, great. Let's just let it do its thing. We don't do that with our vision. No, no, we're intentional. We're like, here's our vision, and here's some of the things that we need to see. Here are the things that we need to see in the church in order for us to achieve that vision. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. I want to share with you four things that we need to see here at Connect Church. Four things that we want to see here at Connect Church that would ultimately lead us to our vision of connecting people to Jesus and their purpose. Are you with me this morning? Why am I telling you this? Well, it's important that you that we as as a family know about how we're going to achieve our vision, right? 
It's, it's no use for us just to say, here's a vision, and go and be happy. We'll see you next Sunday. No, no, we want to go. This is how we're going to do it. This is how, these are the steps. This is the approach. Um, this is what we need to see. We believe it's important for people to understand how we're going to achieve our vision. You might be here this morning going, man, this isn't for me. I didn't sign up to this. I just came up to, 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 to church, and I just want to hear some scripture and a feel-good sermon. I want to say, I'm going to drop some scripture. Don't you worry. This is backed by scripture. In fact, do you know strategic planning is, is not only a biblical concept, it's a biblical mandate. Strategic planning is a biblical mandate. And the Bible establishes strategic planning as one of the ways that God works in and through his people. And understand this, God expects us to plan. He expects us to plan, but who directs our steps? It is the Lord. Proverbs 16, 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Do you know the four things that I'm about to share with you aren't specific to the 9.30 or the 11.15. In fact, they, they span right across every ministry here at Connect Church. Okay, the four things that I'm, I'm about to tell you, we're able to answer that for the other ministries. So for, Connect, uh, for youth, we're able to say, okay, so well, these are the four things. That also applies to youth. That also applies to young adults. I often say, and I've shared this before, that some people say to me, well, what kind of youth group do you run? And, and where did you guys originate from? And I say, well, we're just part of the church. And where the church goes, we go. What the church does, we do. The only thing that changes is the method. But ultimately, the vision, connecting people to Jesus and their purpose, ultimately, the vision stays the same in all other ministries. Amen? The first one, turn to your neighbor and say, the first one. The first thing we want to see is lost people being saved. I got a point three clap. Let's say, let's try that again. The first one is we want to see lost people being saved. We want to see lost people being saved. Why do we want to see lost people being saved? Well, well, that's that's why we're here. You know, you know, everything begins and hinges on a knowing relationship with God. We want to help people come into relationship with God. And, and when we say a knowing relationship, we don't mean um, head knowledge. We don't mean head knowing. We actually mean heart knowing. We want people to come into a heart knowing relationship with, with God. And John, in 1 John 2, 3, we're given a test of how we can determine whether or not we know Jesus. And it says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. In other words, we can know that we truly know Christ if we walk in obedience to his word. We want to see lost people being saved. How are we going to do that? Well, our primary vehicle is through Sunday services. It's through Sunday services. You know, we do all that we can do here on a Sunday to create an environment where people can encounter God. We do all that we can do to create an environment where people can encounter God. Do you know at the start of, um, on, on a Sunday morning, a team of us gather down the back and we pray. We pray. And we don't, we don't say in that meeting, um, man, today's going to be an average service. Man, let's just, let's just hope that the sound is suboptimal. We don't pray and go, God, whatever can go wrong, may it go wrong in Jesus. We don't say that. 
No, no, we're down the back before the service and we're declaring salvation. We're declaring victory over the lost one. And we're saying, God, will your hand be upon this entire service, even that projector up there, which sometimes stops working. We pray for everything. Because the reality is sometimes the service isn't perfect. Sometimes technology breaks, it always breaks down. Sometimes technology breaks down, but we're doing all we can do that we have in our hand to create an environment where people can encounter God. Amen? If people are our priority, I want to say we don't want to roll the dice. If people are our priority, we don't want to roll the dice. We want to see people being saved. Saved from what you might ask? Well, exactly what the angel told Joseph. You see, the angel said, he is the one who will save his people from what? From their sins. He is the one who will save his people from their sins. That is why you must name him Jesus. Friends, he wants to know you intimately. He wants to know you personally. How do I know that? Well, Ephesians 1, 17, 18 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may, you may what? Know him better. That you may know him personally. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I want to be clear. Sunday isn't the only place where someone can be saved. You know, we don't go, you've got to come to a Sunday service to be saved. No, no, you, you, can, you can come to a youth service if you're within the age range. Uh, you can go to a young adult service. We, we want to see people being saved right across this entire church, whether it be in youth, whether it be in young adults, whether it be in kids' church. I was talking to Pastor Adam yesterday. I said, Pastor Adam, well, how are we going to see young people being saved in kids' church? Do they do an altar call and stuff? And he's like, no, no, no. They're planting a seed over there. They're planting a seed that would generate curiosity for young people. And, uh, and, and so that, that's our, our, our number one, or sorry, number one thing is to, to really see lost people being saved. Amen? Amen? Number one, lost people being saved. Turn to the person next to you and say, number two is saved people being pastored. We want to see saved people being pastored. Being pastored means to help you find freedom. It simply means to help you find freedom. And, and nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to be pastored by a pastor. I'm still trying to find that scripture. <laughs> Not only is freedom found in deep and intimate relationship with God, but it's found in community. It's found in doing life together. It's found in relationship with other, others. Do you know, here at Kitty Church, we believe that real life happens in the context of relationships, which is why this church is predominantly made up of connect groups. We run connect groups, and in the Bible, they worship in the temple, which is awesome. But where did personal ministry happen? From house to house. Not from church wall to church wall, but house to house. Acts chapter 20, verse 20 says, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from where? From house to house. Pastor Adam shared a scripture last week. I'm just going to say it again because I think it's amazing. Acts 2.46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They broke bread together in their homes. 
Our primary vehicle for saved people being pastored is through connect groups. It's through connect groups. And if freedom can be found in community, hear me out, if freedom can be found in community, we want to make sure that we're doing all we can do to help you do community. We want to help you do community. We want to help you do life together. Together, um, You might go, well, what are connect groups? That's weird. Never heard of that. Well, connect groups is simply a, a group, an interest group that we run for a term, and you can sign up to that. And, and it's, it's a whole range of connect groups um, from fitness, which is the one I run, and you can see the results, the fitness one, right through to cooking, right through to Bible study. It's an interest group. And, and it allows us as people just to simply do life together. Amen? Why join a connect group? Well, it's a place to connect, protect, and grow. Some of you will probably know Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Do you know, if we pause for a moment, there's mutual benefit when you rub two blades together. Both knives, not one, but both knives, sharpen or are more efficient in doing their job. You know, at Connect Youth, um, we made a big call at the start of the year, and uh, we sat down with some of our leadership team, and what we said is, look, so the way we used to run it was um, Friday night services, every single week of the year, Friday night services. We sat down with some of our leadership team and said, services, Friday night services for young people aren't providing the platform we need to build relationship. We need to make a call. And after careful consideration and a lot of prayer, um, we decided actually to do only one service a month. We went from doing weekly services, we cut it right down to a month. But here's the thing in between, on the Friday night, what we do is we focus on small groups. We focus on gathering young people in groups of 8, 19, whatever it is, and just doing life together. You know, we want to build deeper relationships with young people. Rather than just on a Friday night, what would happen is we would get so many people here, up to 150, sometimes 200, and they would walk out, and our team was so stretched that often we would say, hey, how's your week going? Have a good week. See you next week. And friends, that doesn't build relationship. No, no, no. We have to say, let's do that once a month. Let's do that once a month. But every other week, let's be intentional. Let's be intentional about wanting to build uh, relationships with young people. And I want to say this. Our numbers aren't that high that they used to be. But, but we're not concerned with that. We're not concerned with numbers. We're concerned with doing life with young people, with building we're concerned about building relationships. And I do want to say this. We have, over the last uh, four weeks since we've been running Connect Cruise, we've seen greater consistency in young people coming. See, what would happen is young people would come, and then you wouldn't see them for like ages, and then they'd just show up on the scene again. But we've seen greater consistency in young people. We've seen more young people come to church. And most of all, you ask any of our leaders, we have now been able to develop deeper relationships. Amen? Number one is lost people being saved. Number two is saved people being pastored. Number three, turn to your neighbor and say, pastored people being trained. Pastored people being trained. That's our, our number three. You might go, well, train for what? Train to be an athlete? Train to, I don't know, be in the army? Well, here's the thing. We have different gifts. Okay, we have different gifts according to the grace that is given to us, and that says it in Romans twelve six. And we want to help you discover your purpose and live the God given life that He has given 
to you. With 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, it says, All Scripture has God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and in righteousness. But listen to this. It says, So that the man of God may be confident and equipped for every good work. Anyone want to be equipped for good work? Yeah? Our primary uh, vehicle for helping pastor people being trained is what is through what we're calling Growth Track. We're calling it Growth Track. And the goal of Growth Track, uh, the big picture goal is, is to see every person living God's ultimate purpose for their life, which is to share His love and make an eternal difference in the life of another person. And our Growth Track is about to start very soon, actually in, in May. So keep an eye out for that. And there's kind of four, uh, four things or four ideas of the growth track. And the first one is we want you to become a member, um, discover your design, develop your team, and join the team. So that's three pastor people being trained uh, through the growth track. We want, you to help, we want to help you discover uh, your purpose. The fourth one, so number one, lost people being saved. Number two is safe people being pastored. Number three is pastored be, people being trained. Number four, turn to your neighbor and say, trained people being mobilized. Trained people being mobilized. You know, we want to we wanna mobilize people to make a difference. We want to mobilize people to make a difference. Do you know we were all created? Uh, to make a difference in someone else's life. We're created to make a different difference in the life of another person. You might go, well, how can I make a difference? How can I make a difference? I've got a suggestion with you. Serve. Volunteer. Serve in the house of the, of the Lord. Help us create an environment where people can encounter God. Lead a connect group. Serve there. There's so many different areas in the church, and that's our primary vehicle for, for trained people to be mobilized is through serving. It's through serving. And you know, the Bible doesn't teach that some Christians are called to serve and some are called to just relax. I don't know where that is. If you find it, come and let me know. I'll preach on it. The Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't say that. I just want to say, message aside, perhaps you have served in a team before. Maybe you've served in a team before and it hasn't gone to plan. Maybe it didn't go the way that you thought it would go. Can we just take a moment to remember good old Timothy who served under the ministry of the Apostle Paul? I bet you when Paul was like, hey, come, let's launch some churches, come serve for me. I think, I think Timothy was like, let's do it. It sounded wonderful and it sounded grand. But after Paul returned back from prison, he said to Timothy, I need you to look after a church that's in turmoil. I wonder if Timothy was like, this isn't in the contract. Pastor Adam, my taxi driving isn't in the contract. Sometimes when we serve, it doesn't go the way to plan. But friends, I encourage you, stick with it. You might not know where you're meant to be, but you will, know, you will not know where you're meant to be unless you try. And often we have this, this misconception that we need to just wait for the perfect opportunity. I'm just going to wait, wait it out. You see, the problem with that when we wait is when we wait for that perfect opportunity is we just wait and we wait and we wait and we wait. We wait for the perfect opportunity to surface. And friends, that perfect opportunity might not come about. 
It might not come about. And I want to say that every team here plays a crucial role. We have, we have people who, we need the lawns. I don't know if you notice, but grass grows. And we need people mowing lawns. We need volunteers on places like the sound desk. Do you know if people didn't have, if we didn't have a volunteer on the sound, if we didn't have a team on the sound desk, I would be preaching with no sound and I'd probably have to shout like this. And I can't preach for that long because my voice will get ruined. We need people on the lighting team and the media team. If we didn't have people on the lighting and media, I'd have to preach like this. Can you see me? No, you can't. I can see you. Hear me out. We need volunteers. What's our primary, what's our primary way, our primary vehicle for helping people to become mobilized? Serving on a team. Amen. I want to say on that point number four, you can make a difference. You can actually make a difference and you can help us make a difference to how people connect to Jesus and connect them to their purpose. Can I get an amen in the house? Number one, lost people being saved. Number two, saved people being pastored. Number three, pastored people being trained. And number four, trained people being mobilized. These are four things, four simple things that we are absolutely committed to. We are absolutely committed to seeing them unfold here at Connect Church. And I want to I want you to leave here knowing that you can play a part in our vision. You can play a part in the church's vision, just like that young boy who said, I got a solution. I got a solution and we just need to be friendly. You can play a part. You can play a role in unfolding the vision here at Connect Church. You don't need to be on a specific team, although we would love it if you were to serve. But everyone plays a role here at this church. Does anybody agree with that? Now, maybe you're in this place and you were like, what's point number one? Saved or lost people being saved? Maybe you're here today and you go, well, I don't know, Jesus. What does it mean to be saved? If that's our primary vehicle, you'll notice at the end of every service, we give every single person an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to say, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. Every single head in this place bowed, every eye closed. I want to open up that opportunity, open up that window. My question is, are you right with God? Are you right with God, do you want to accept this morning, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He knocks on the door of our heart and all we have to do is just respond. Say, Jesus, I say yes. And if that's you this morning, on a count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to get you to come up the front. I want you to raise your hand because what we express outwardly is what is happening inwardly. So on the count of three, if that's you, one, Jesus loves you. Two, this will be the greatest decision you'll ever make. Three, if that's you, can you put your hand nice and high so I know exactly who I'm praying for? Cool. Cool. I see that hand down the back. Just gonna keep it, keep it open. I don't want to rush this moment. Let's pray for the one, the one person who put up their hand. And, you know, one or 20, there is still a party in heaven 
God's still rejoicing at the person who said yes. So come on, can we? Can you repeat after me? And, and, and uh, the reason I ask that you repeat after me is just so we can show support. We're a family together. So would you repeat after me? God, thank you for your son, for the cross. God, this morning, I choose you. I fix my eyes upon you. Forgive me of all that I've done wrong. Steer me on the right direction. God, be the center of my life. Lead me and guide me. In Jesus' name, and everyone.